welcome to another episode of Forever Bristol City podcast. We're recording it on a Sunday morning in the wake of uh, yesterday's uh, defeat, uh, 2-1 defeat at home to QPR. Sadly made it three defeats in a row, which uh, we find ourselves nestled firmly uh, in mid-table with more or less a quarter of the season gone. Joining me this morning to discuss the action and uh, other stuff are Neil and... uh, Ian, um, bad day at the office, no cause for concern. You first, Ian, a quick resume of the game as you saw it. Just, you know, where were Thank you. Well, I thought Nigel Pearson summed it up perfectly that in the performance, and I agree with this, in the performance at Norwich, that was what I'll call a good defeat, if there is such a thing, because yep. we played well and we could have won the game, certainly deserved the point at least. Burnley, I don't think we were very good at all. Um, but... We lost by the odd goal, as we did at Norwich. Uh, Yesterday, poor performance, poor defending, and QPR dominated us in every department. Midfield, their forwards uh, bullied our centre-backs. They had better movement, they had a better first touch, and their defence outplayed our forwards for most of the game. So I, I don't, I, you know, the, he said he's not going to call people out individually, but I suppose in the usual way, we'll see if people disappear out the team and don't have a game for a few weeks. Yeah. Okay, Neil, what are, what are your thoughts? Uh, cause for concern, it's three defeats in a row. Yeah, I don't think Nigel's ever had more <laughs> than three defeats in a row, if he's ever had three in a row uh, at all. But uh, your thoughts before we delve into the action. Well, I suppose if you look at it on paper, Dave, it's it's three defeats against teams in the top six. So mm. where are we as a team? I remember a podcast a few weeks ago, I was asked where I see us as a team for the season. I see us as a team 10th to 12th, yeah. really sort of mid-table. So we are where we are. I, <laughs> I, agree, with, I agree with Ian yesterday. It was a jaded performance, I thought, a bit tepid, a bit um, passive at times but first quarter of an hour we were on it weren't we first no, quarter of an hour we you know there were there was the team there that we recognized and thereafter we we started getting sloppy and uh obviously we'll we'll get on to the goals but um the, yeah. the players that were away the conways the scots the vimans the semenos obviously semenio only came on second half but they looked jaded in their own way as well yeah um yeah so yeah, I mean, Ian. Yeah, so not yeah, so not 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 great. That's the long and the short of it. In front of twenty one thousand, I can't believe what well, QPR bought about two two and a half, just under two and a half. But look, seemed to be a lot of empty seats, particularly in the uh, south stand. I mean, Ian, the starting lineup. Uh, no, Matty James. He's having a or had a procedure. So the manager says he's going to be out maybe for a week. But we've heard that before. If you have a procedure, but you know, obvious choice, Joe Williams coming in uh, to the middle to partner Scott. I mean, as you were from the starting lineup, and to be expected, yeah? Yeah, it's exactly the starting lineup that I pinned on my Twitter account um, on the day before the game, um, because Nigel Pearson's very predictable in his, his selections. Um, don't like to change a winning team, but although over the last couple of weeks, he, he don't, don't want to change a losing team. My, my view is this. He could have freshened that team up and left out the players who were on international duty. Okay, He could have, he could have freshened that team up. He didn't. He's going to have to um, 
on Tuesday night because Scott's suspended. He has got five league yellows now. Um, and if you look at the players, I mean, Wilson came on. He's, he's played no football. And, and we're expecting him to come on and, and do miracles. I've got to clean that up. Do miracles. And it's not going to happen. And he needs to utilise his squad. We, yeah, we've got a small squad, but we could easily, easily make five changes to that starting lineup on yeah. Tuesday night. Easily. Yeah. And, and he's, he's just... So it's no good complaining. people complaining about, oh, Conway's tired. Well, if Conway's tired, place place start Semenyo because he only played, what, 25 minutes for Ghana? So he should, yeah. he should be tired after that. No, but he did have a long flight, which uh, they were banging on about that on Radio Bristol yesterday. He'd flown from Nicaragua, directly no, from Nicaragua, Ghana, <laughs> Ghana, back here. Anyway, you know, no, and I mean, look, we're crap. Whenever we have an international break, it goes back to when Lee Johnson was in. in you know, we always have a good run. I know we lost the two going up to this international break, but yeah. we we have a good run, and the momentum's gone, and we're crap coming back from it. But every other club suffers the gap caused by the international break. So why are we any different? I don't know if any of the QPR players were uh, away, but I'm not really bothered in that. I mean, let's, let's get into the action. Neil, as you said, you know, good start by City. I took uh, a pal of mine along with me yesterday. It was the first time he'd been to a game. I think it was against Middlesbrough, which he picked a good one last season. But he agreed with me after 15 minutes. He said, this looks a totally uh, different way that Bristol City are playing to what, I've seen, and he did come to probably about seven games last season, so he saw a lot of crap prior to that Middlesbrough game. But uh, and that opening start, it had everything but a goal, although maybe we should have been 1-0 up when uh, Viner was there. And they were saying on Radio Bristol, again, Jeff and um, and Gary, you know, he really should have scored with a header. I thought, I thought it was a good effort myself. What did you think, Neil? I thought it was a good effort to keep it on target. I mean, there's always a shoulda, woulda, coulda, isn't there? Fantastic crossing. Yeah, I mean, he got it on target. It was a good save by Dent. Could, could he have placed it in the other corner? Could he have played, hit it into the ground? Could he have made it more difficult for the keeper? Yeah, he could have. But he got it on target and it was a good save. It, it was a bit of a pivotal moment, really. Yeah, yeah. And a couple of people have picked us up on here that Nicaragua versus Ghana was played in Spain. So... Yeah, that's what Semenyo. I was. That's what I was about to say as well, Dave. It's, uh, <laughs> I think I think uh, Ghana played most of their games in France and Spain, so this idea of him flying to Nicaragua is out the window. Yeah, all right. So we we make a mistake there. Um, it, I'll, I'll come to you on that same incident early on, uh, Ian. Um, you know, Viner's header goes in. We're in the driving seat, and we were we were worthy of a lead at that point, weren't we? Yeah, I think we were. And Neil's right to say that we started brightly for about 15 minutes and it seemed to go Pete Tong from the time they scored. Uh, Viner, the only mistake Zach made with that header was he should have headed it down towards the goal line, not up or mm. not level. So so that was a mistake. So it was, it was a, what I call a nice saveable height for the goalkeeper. Rather than if you look at the goal that uh, Conway got against Cardiff or you look at the goal that Atkinson got against Cardiff from a similar free kick they got the ball down into the ground and in the corner which yeah. he didn't so um, and as somebody's quite rightly said you know I, I, I put a comment on there that the first game they played was in France and Shaw said first match was in the harbour he could walk there 
Yeah. Um, so we're making excuses. We're making excuses. Yeah, I, I don't for... think Semenyo looked jaded when he came on. I think he uh, looked like he had absolutely no support coming through from the midfield. And then he was played out of position because when they brought on, we'll talk about substitutions later, but the lumbering God, Chris Martin, you know, and then pushed Semenyo out wide, it lost all his effectiveness. I'll stay with you, Ian, for the first goal because it came, it came to me. Right, and I'm going to have a bit of a, of not a Vyman bash, but a Vyman comment later. But it came to me when Andy Vyman, inside their half, just inside their half, did a sloppy pass that yeah. led to the goal. And having seen the goal again, bloody bad luck that it bounces off the post onto uh, Dan Bentley's uh, head. But uh, you know, am I being am I being am I being harsh in trying to pin? That goal on Andy Vyman's crappy pass from inside their half, which put the defence under pressure. You take us through the goal as you saw it. Well, you just took us through the goal, Dave. So I don't need. No, to I do didn't. It. I didn't talk about how it how it actually well, went well, in. And, Andy, Vyman, Andy Vyman got the ball, and instead of trying, and we did this a lot yesterday. Instead of trying to turn and play forward, uh, and times uh, people will say, "Well, at times when we did that, we got caught in possession," and that's true. But Andy Weimer will normally take the ball and find a way to play it forward and play it sensible. He played a silly pass and put QPR in on the goal. Now, at that point, the lad, it, it's a nice shot from outside the box. Like you say, it's unlucky that it's come off the post and it bent in the Swede. But there weren't too many people rushing back to kick the ball away. Yeah. And I think that's the problem when you haven't got, I'll call them instinctive defenders in your back five. And I'm talking about Mark Sykes. As one, yeah. he he's not and what I call he's not an instinctive defender like a a Tanner or a Viner, um, but someone should have got back. They've been running back towards the goal, trapped the striker, uh, the player coming in. Um, so yeah, sloppy goal, and it led to a lot of other sloppy bits and pieces that that we've unfortunately when we're not playing well we've become used to. Yeah. No, it, it was. And uh, I'll, I'll go back to you, uh, Neil, for the second goal. Uh, again, it seems as though Sykes has got the uh, the um, blame, for want of a better word, in showing his defensive uh, incapability. Uh, take us through that uh, second goal, which was scored by a player on loan from Leeds for the season, his first uh, goal, apparently, for QPR. But how did you see that second goal, which basically came within three minutes of the first and gave us a mountain to climb, didn't it? Well, I think if we if we go back to our first home game of the season against Sunderland and Alex Neil afterwards said, we targeted certain players, we targeted certain areas at Bristol City because we knew that those were areas we need to be targeted. Down our right side, as Ian quite rightly points out, we've got a player, a winger, playing as a, um, a right wing back. Um, he's not really a defensive player. He's not really, you know, an attacking player in, in the sense of a right wing back, but he's the best of a three at the moment, including Tanner and Wilson in that. And then you've got Zach Viner, who is um, a League One player at best. You know, circumstances find ourselves with injuries to closer, or maybe not an injury to closer, but that's another story. And, oh, pray um, tell us more. Come on, drop this in. Drop well, this into. You, you see him training fully during the week, and he's not on the bench at the moment, is he? 
And there are various mm. things that, you know, I hate to do this sort of thing, but the person who told me about it, Dave, I'll tell you offline, sorry. They All did right. say not, not for the forums. Okay, but fair enough. The, ultimately, uh, you know, you've got ta- you're training Tanner up to be the cover for right centre-back in case something happens with Viner. And then you've got the second half when we had to sac- sacrifice a defender and go to a flat-back four. He had to sacrifice Atkinson because he's got two left-footed centre-backs, so he had to keep Viner on. So, ultimately, with it, it's um, it's our weak spot. Other teams know it's our weak spot. They know that they can mm. attack us down that area of the pitch and that we are vulnerable. So, yes, there was an overload um, on Sykes. He wasn't particularly great defensively getting across to it, but that's not his game, is it? We're asking him to do something where it's not his game. Uh, but then at the other end of the pitch with him, there's an argument about what sort of productivity we get out of Sykes well, at the moment. Not a lot. Not a lot. But then when well, Wilson you comes, your speaker down at the other end, Neil. It's because you're getting a bit yeah. of feedback. You can see in the echo. Yeah, uh, no problem. But right, okay, no, that's cool. That's when cool. when Wilson um, when Wilson comes on, when Wilson comes on, Dave, mm. arguably even worse defensively. But of course, I mean, well, we talk about Wilson's game overall because I think there's a problem going on there, Ian. Um, that second goal, um, Neil, Neil said, you know, how it started with a player who's playing out of position at fault. I, I looked at it again this morning and nobody's really close to Robert when he runs the ball in. You know, I, I, I asked a question, where was um, Jada Silva uh, covering for that? But uh, are we beginning to rue maybe letting Duncan Idahan move on? Because, you know, we've let him go and he forced his way into the matchday squad last season. There's still Cam Pring, who seems to be well and truly in the land of the banish. But, you know, that, that goal and these players playing out of position or not even being at the club or out of favour, we're not helping ourselves, are we? Well, we've got what we've got. Um, our, our, arguably, our two best centre-backs are, are injured. And I'll say they're injured in, until... Um, I hear offline or not offline. Um, hopefully, it's not the same person that told you that Marlon Pack was a done deal, Neil. Um, but let, let's just let's just hope it's nothing sinister with uh, closer. He has had a history of a, of a knee injury, um, and Callas, uh, we think, has got a knee injury. He's going to be. It's almost got to be a, a running joke with Pearson. Um, uh, he's got his, uh, you know, oh, will he be back in October or uh, he might be back in November? Well, that's what or, you're saying about Callas, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an. Well, I don't think Callas will kick a ball for City this side of the World Cup. End of story. Well, you might be right, Dave. I mean, he might not kick a ball for City again, the way it's well, going. I didn't want to push it that far, but I'm inclined to but, agree with you there. But, you know, and with, with Closer, have we signed another Nathan Baker? Um, it, it's you know you look we we have an obvious problem right only one team in the division has conceded more goals than us and oh. that's Hull so that's the obvious problem so it's great when people say yes yeah, so let's accentuate the positives we're the top scorers or we we were top. yeah that's great that's great but you know you get two we score three is only okay if you score three. Yeah. We didn't score three at Norwich. We didn't score three at Burnley. And we certainly didn't score three yesterday. And yeah. let's be honest, QPR could have been four or five up. By well, they, could, 
Yeah, Ian, you're absolutely right because there was that chance. There was that chance when uh, Willock and Laird combined, and it really should have been three uh, nil. Oh, they missed uh, missed some over. Yeah, they missed they missed some sitters by championship standards, and you you can't just stick your head in the sand and say, "Oh, yeah, well." I mean, look, the fans are being fantastic with the team. I mean, you've got sellout away ends at Birmingham. Reading was sold out in six hours. Yeah. So there's no one can point a finger at the fans and say, well, come on, lads, if you've got behind us a bit more. And I think the, the, the fans, I know they got booed off at halftime, and, and to be honest, deservedly so. Mm. It was poor, you know. And I'm the first bloke in the ground to, to say if, if a player from the other side does something brilliant. You know, if Cher had picked the ball up and volleyed it in the top corner from 35 yards, I'd have been the first bloke in the ground to say, well, you can't do anything about that. But we're letting in, as someone has said in the comments. Yeah, I was just picking up on that, Ian. Yeah, Taser said a lot of goals in the championships can tend to come from mistakes. But when was the last time we conceded a goal? You have to applaud, like the sort that you have just described, you know, a worldie. We just give away so many soft goals. Let's continue with the action, Ian. Let me go across to Neil. We go in nil two at half time. There was that chance when. uh, Conway was robbed by a desperate tackle from Jake Clark Salter. But if he'd have slipped it to Naki Wells, we go in 2-1 down at halftime and everything to play for. Um, he brought on Semenyo uh, at halftime, halftime substitution for, so say, the tiring Conway. And we got a goal on 61 minutes. Um, take us through that goal, uh, Neil, as, as, as you saw. It was a bit of a scrappy one, but... It, put us back in contention, didn't it? Well, I, I think QPR hate Naki Wells, don't they? They've got a love-hate relationship with him because he generally does score against them, doesn't he? Yeah. But um, Vyman did what actually, when he's on his game, and as you have said on a number of your tweets, Dave, he's not on his game at the moment. It's quite obvious. Um, but he got to the byline, he brought it in. Just that mere presence of having Semenyo, I think that physical presence unnerved the defenders to the extent that that defender made a mistake of a similar ilk to the mistakes we made. And as some of the comments on, you know, the majority of the goals in the championships do come from mistakes, don't they? Mm. And um, and Wells did what Wells did. You know, he's a, he's a six-yard box guy, isn't he? Yeah. He's a poacher inside of goal. So, yeah, I mean... What was that? 60 odd minutes? 61 minutes. 61 minutes. Half an hour so to we go. Had, so we had 30, 30, or seven minutes, 36 minutes after that. And really, we didn't test Dieng too much after that, did we? We huffed no. and we puffed, but we didn't really push on from there. Well, he bought Chris well, Martin on. Sorry, Neil, on turn, that, turn that speaker down. He bought Chris Martin on after. 66, five minutes after the goal, and as a lot of people have said on the forum, on the match day thread, that seemed to knock the shape out of it. Then he made a triple substitution on 73 minutes, which, you know, we were, again, a thread on the, the forum. You know, we have this habit of chucking everybody forward, but we lose all our shape and all our uh, identity. I mean, Ian, the substitutions... Well, they they didn't affect the game at all. In fact, we didn't look at any stage as though we were going to get that equaliser, did we? No, we didn't. And we put Chris Martin up front. Um, I can't remember him. I said to a guy in front of me who counts these kind of things, has Martin touched the ball yet? After he'd been on about 10 minutes and he, he put one finger up. 
said once, or I think that's what he meant. Um, mm. His no, his contribution was well zero. It wasn't even negligible. And we keep doing it, and it doesn't work. You know, it's a bit like the old right throw Aiden Flint up front for the last ten minutes. How many times did that actually work for the times we did it? Or Lee Johnson taking all the free kicks and having a shot uh, under Gary Johnson never worked, never scored mm. from those free kicks. And we keep doing it, and that's the sort of thing that frustrates fans. And they say, "Well, wh- you know, why don't we try something a bit different?" Okay, you might want to go. 4-4-2, but let's make it a visible 4-4-2. In the end, I think we were playing 4-3-3 uh, with Masengo, King and Scott in midfield. And, and there's something also, and I'll pick up on this as well, Zach Viner is, is no worse than the other three, other no. two central defenders. And some of his distribution yesterday was very good. When he was hitting the long diagonals out to... Um, to Silva, okay, they could have possibly done with being a bit flatter and getting a bit, getting there a bit sooner. But at least he had the right idea. I mean, how many mistakes? I mean, if he was making the mistakes, or if Rob Atkinson was making the mistakes that Naismith's making every game without fail, um, he'd be absolutely no. He'd be nowhere near the club. Never mind nowhere near the team. Mm. So I think we have to be fair to the kid. Yeah, he ain't the best defender we've ever had. But somebody said to me yesterday, somebody wanted to leave Naismith out. I said, well, okay, fine, you can leave him out. Who are you going to play centre-half? Well, you, you have to bring in one of the kids. Or, uh, as I said a few moments ago, we made the mistake of letting Idahan go, yeah? And can Cam Pring not play on no, the left? No, he, 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 well, Cam Pring can play on the left. You could shift Atkinson into the middle. but That's, that's what I'm saying. Not, that's not his best position. And he, he proved it last year. He isn't a left centre-back. He's a left wing back, and he's one of the changes that I'll be honest, I'd make for uh, Tuesday night to freshen the team up. You can, you can oh, well, you know, we were a bit jaded, we looked a bit tired. Well, use the bloody squad then, yeah, yeah. Neil, what did Neil, what Neil, what did you think of the substitutions? I mean, somebody commented earlier or somewhere, uh, first time that the managers used all, um. All five. He did a triple substitution with, uh, what are we saying, a sixth of the game to go. It wasn't quite like the five that uh, Conte did for uh, Tottenham yesterday, which being a man, they changed half the team. But uh, they really didn't make any difference at all, did they? I thought it was just strange timing on the Martin one, really. Um, I mean, they're privy, Dave, at the end of the day, to what's going on with the players. If some players are half fit or... They need some rest. And there's a lot of games coming, isn't there? Mm. But when you're 2-0 down, you go 2-1. And four minutes after you go 2-1, you bring on a player that is going to so fundamentally change your formation, so fundamentally going to, you know, jettison the wing-backs. Then you you push Semenyo out on the wing and Naki Wells on the other wing and you put Martin down the side. Four minutes after getting a goal back. Yeah. And, and you're, you're putting those two players in positions where they're least effective because it's no coincidence that it, since Naki Wells has come back in and being played where he should be being played, he's the player that we thought we were getting, isn't he? Well, so Semenyo, the one thing he does, power, pace, in the way in which Conway in that first half was getting a bit battered, wasn't he, at mm. times. Uh, and the first half kicked off 
and Semenyu and Scott, I think, went straight down the centre, didn't they? Yeah. And they skipped about two or three tackles, and you thought, right, okay, QPR, the defenders there are going to be thinking, oh, different sort of player, come on. When we turned around on the 66th minute and put him out on the wing, they must have thought, brilliant, thanks very much. Really? And then we're hoofing these balls up to Martin in the way in which we were doing, I don't know, two years ago, 18 months ago? Yeah. And it yeah. wasn't effective then, was it? It wasn't effective then. And the Chris Martin of this season um, is not the Chris Martin of previous seasons. I, th- I think we can see that. that comes. I think time. he's put on... I mean, when you see him start a run, it's like looking at a steam engine when it's pulling out of Temple Mead Station. It'll, I mean, he's, those been, of us he's, been, he's been fantastic, Dave, the last yeah. two years. Absolutely yeah. fantastic. I'm not. He's not even an like, impact sub anymore, a, is he? Because a, we don't even free, put... It's a free transfer, you know, yeah. absolutely... Fantastic, and, and and you know the WSM of of last season, but you can't expect that to continue. Every player has a time where there's a, a ticking box, and and you're there thinking, right, and, okay. And you just said the WSM of last season. That is it. It's last season. You can't That's rest it. on your laurels in football. No. In a lot of things, you're only you're only as good as your last game. It's like in my job. I'm only as good as the last person that I put into a company. If they're not any good, then, you know, it's sort of, well, it's your fault. You've helped to select him. So we're going to blame you, you know, and it comes back to Andy Vyman, you know, that was the best ever season of his career. And he's 30, you know, you can't take that away from him. 20 goals, 12 assists, got back into the international team. Before we wrap on the game, I want to talk to both of you about an incident that caused a lot of consternation. And as though it was, bloody crucial. I don't think it was really, to be honest. And this is the incident where Dieng uh, so say handled the ball outside the box. I've looked at it three or four times on the various angles, even fan cam behind the goal. Come to you first, Neil. (sighs) Were we hard done by there? Not the best refereeing performance we've seen, but you know, at best it's a free kick, indirect free kick. Was it indirect free kick outside the box? What did, what, What's your take on that? And I'll ask Ian the same question, but you first, Neil. I'll stick with you. From my wonderful location in E32, Dave, (laughs) over over the other side of the pitch, I'd have to admit, it looked to me as if his feet were outside, but it was marginal whether or not the ball was inside. But you only have to look at the way in which about five or six City players that were close to him all ran to the ref at that point, and the game was still going on. I've never seen so, a swarm around a referee like that at all. That was touches of no. United. Look, it would have been a yellow card. I don't think it would have been a red card because there's people in the middle. His back is turned to the linesman. I think it yeah. would have been difficult for the linesman to see because it's not obvious for us, is it? No. So, would a linesman see? And the ref, who was bizarre yesterday, let's be honest, there was some bizarre judgments going on not that they massively impacted on the game in the way in which some of the other refs we've seen have but he was passive aggressive at times wasn't he the the ref um and uh yeah i i think it's one of those where we're clinging on to the hope that Mm. he might have got red and it might have changed the game the Uh, reality is i think it it would have been a yellow card wouldn't it yeah, a yellow. And and as Beard has said, he sat in S19. He said he took it from outside to inside. And that's the thing. That's that's how I would see it, that he was in midair and the ball hadn't hit the ground. But when it did hit the ground, it was inside the box. Now, whether when he hit it in midair, 
his momentum took the ball over the line. We don't know. And if you're the linesman, if you're directly behind the keeper, you've got the whole length of his body and our player in behind him that you just can't see it. I mean, Ian, you're sat over in uh, the Dolman. Okay, you've got a reasonably high-ish position there. Um, hard done by, were we there? Or are we just trying to grasp at straws for uh, yeah, in the hope that we maybe got an equaliser and we wouldn't have lost it? Yeah, I, th- I think we're grasping at straws and I think it'd been impossible for the referee or the linesman to see it because he had his back to the linesman. So he may have picked the ball up outside or possibly on the line and took it in. It could have been that his hands were on the ball inside and the rest of his body was outside. And I, I, I've seen it in slow motion. And unless you went down to that ultra close-up and ultra slow-mo that they sometimes use in the cricket, I don't think you could see it. So it's no good people getting exercised about that. And the referee yesterday was poor, Jeremy Simpson. He's a poor referee. Mm. But it wasn't his fault we lost that game. So let's get away from that. And one thing that is concerning me at the moment, you made the point about us being absolutely smacking mid-table, and we are, because we're four points off the playoffs and four points off relegation. Um, and, you know, you look at clubs like Middlesbrough and you say, well, you know, they've had a lousy season. Middlesbrough is terrible. They're on about getting rid of Chris Wilder. Who's well, been getting rid of him and you've been linked with a Bournemouth job and what have you. And he's well, trying yeah, to... but if you've got, you know, you, they're only, they've only got four points less than us. I know. And a, few, a couple of weeks ago, uh, some of our fans were getting, we were all pleased, but some of our fans were getting really excited about what we could do. Well, so, so was I in. You know, I was really looking forward. I gave us, look, the games against Norwich and Burnley were free hits, right? And you're absolutely right. Well, you you know, we deserve something at Norwich. We had a bloody good game up there. And whilst we didn't get whooped by Burnley, we weren't that good. But a 2-1 defeat up there is still not bad. And I was looking forward to this because it was the first of three games in four. Now it's actually Tuesday night is the first of three games in four at home again. Yeah, but... It's taken the gloss over what was what was heading in the right direction and giving us, even on the generally miserable Forever Bristol City podcast, you know, cause for unbridled optimism. All right, let's get into individual players and, and what have you. And I'll stick with you, Ian. Alex Scott, good player that he is, unnecessary booking, wasn't it, that he got done for. It was right in front of us. I'm in the lower lands down, you know, yeah. and, and the guy who was with me said he put his foot in the bloke. He, he actually put his foot into the bloke's midriff when he was on the ground. Unnecessary booking. And he's got to control that part of his game, hasn't he? Well, we spoke about this ad nauseum, haven't we, on the podcast. Mm. And I, I made the mistake a few weeks ago saying I think he's suspended now. And somebody quite rightly pointed out, I think it was on Twitter, that oh, the league cup, cup games don't count. Yeah. Are, are, are added up separately. So, yeah, he, if he goes on like he's gone on, what we played now, 11 games? Yes. Um, and he's been booked five times. Yeah. So basically, he's getting booked in half the games he plays. That's he's going to get booked 20 times a season. 20 times a season. And he's, he'll be suspended one game this time, two games next, and I think it's four games, then I think it's six or something like that. Yeah. So that be, that then, for a player that you need, and he's a, he's a good player, but he's got to get that out of his game. And some of the yellows he's got, um, I could think of one at Coventry away last season could easily have been a red. Should have been a red, yeah. And he could have got a red in another game that I can't remember who we played, but it was Ashton Gate. And yeah. he, could, he could have easily got a red for that because he was late and he was high. 
And if we either had v, VAR in the championship, he'd have been off twice. So no, you're right. That, but that could, so you see a lot of this. I think could be borne out of frustration that he wasn't doing better and the team wasn't doing better. But that's no excuse. I'm not giving it an excuse. I'm just saying I'm perhaps yeah. an explanation. But yeah. he does. He, you know, you want a player at times to put the foot in, but he's got to do it in the right way. In other words, you know, he can't get a booking for, as you said, kicking a bloke in a midriff on the halfway line in a, in a nothing situation. Okay, he was excited. He was trying to get the ball back. I'm not saying he did it deliberately, but it's no, something... it was just, yeah, it just it was a it was a it was a sloppy one. Um, okay, Neil, another player in the middle, and I don't think Scott's cause is help. That's is his best position where he's playing, but he's fighting a lone battle in there. Really you know, in terms of support and cohesion in that part of the field. Williams got another booking. Um, I put on Twitter the other day and I was responding to somebody who was talking about Williams overall. I mean, he's in his third season with us. He's not played that many games. He was labelled as being some sort of messiah that was going to sort all our midfield problems. Yeah, And the few little cameos that he played last season you think oh wouldn't it be great to have him have a run in the side but joe williams in all that is he what do you think neil am i being harsh i think if you if you look at the players that we've spent money on in the last few years we we pinned a lot of hope on joe williams didn't we and i know injuries have taken their toll but really when you look at him as a player he's not the player that we thought he was going to be at this time maybe you know give him a run in the team half dozen games maybe he'll get back to where we hope he will be but he's not really a midfield enforcer he doesn't really get a grip of the game shooting wise his technique is awful i'm sorry <laughs> but it is awful to watch he scuffed another one like like he almost did at blackburn away last season for that assist for Feynman, you know yeah. So technique-wise, um, he's a bit languid. Yesterday, I didn't. I think yesterday, him and Scott a little bit because Scott comes deep to pick up the ball to get on the front foot to get us going. I think Williams got caught a little bit. Am I staying back? Am I going forward? What What's my yeah. role in the team? A little bit. I don't think the pair of them particularly complement each other well. Mm. Um, I think we possibly missed a little bit of Matty James in that situation rather than. Yeah. Rather than Williams Day yesterday, but yeah, underwhelming with Williams. I think since he's been back, he's had enough opportunities over, you know, when he's not been injured. And obviously, we've had long periods of time where he's been injured. But uh, I think collectively, everybody was hoping for more from Williams over the time that he's been with us. We've seen him enough now to take the view that, as somebody uh, Sire said on here, I don't think he looks very poor, but he's just. He's bang average. Yeah, he doesn't add much more than Hanoa Masengo, you know, the man with lots of appearances, but very, no goals and, uh, and very few assists. I mean, Ian, midfield, it's a perennial problem for City. And I think when we got Joe Williams, it was when we had Liam Walsh and this was the two former Everton starlets that were coming in. But midfield, when Andy Vyman is having the sort of form that he's having at the moment, and I know he put in the cross for the goal, but other than that, the cross, and other than the um, mistake or the misplaced pass that contributed to the first goal, he doesn't contribute enough 
in midfield. He's not doing it this season. Last season's gone, but do we need an extra man in midfield? Because, you know, QPR dominated that. And that's maybe why Williams and Scott, to me, both looked lost yesterday. Yeah, we do. And, and a player that we were allegedly looking at played for QPR yesterday, Eurognum, uh, on loan from Villa. Um, we needed a holding midfield player. We haven't got one. Well, Matty James is ish. Uh, he, he's not, uh, I wouldn't say he's, he's what you call a classic holding midfield player. If you look at what we've got down there, we've got five central midfield players. Uh, Scott suspended. James is injured. Um, uh, Joe Williams can't play uh, two games in three, four days. So he can't play. So that brings you down to Masengo and King for the Coventry game. So you've got a choice. You can either change the formation and play with three narrow in midfield to give them some help and bring in one of the kids. You could... Kaji. You could bring Dylan Kaji in. You could uh, play with... Uh, bring in one of the youngsters at the back or um, bring Sykes in into the midfield and play Tanner at, at right wing back. Uh, so there are options and it'd be interesting to see what he does. You could switch to a flat back four uh, with Sykes in, uh, Sykes, with Viner and uh, Atkinson there and push Naismith forward as your holding midfield player. Well, we've which, said that. We've been given, saying that on the pod for a while, Ian, haven't I mean, we? It could yeah. be something you could do, but, I mean, what you've got to remember is that team have been used to playing with a back three. And, you know, do you want to go 4-5-1 uh, at, at, at home where you could play De Silva and Pring, uh, Pring play Pring in front of him as a what you might call a, a left winger and play Sykes as a right winger in a 4-5-1? Or even a four-four-two. I, I just think we need two strikers up front, and for me at the moment, it's going to be Semenyo and Wells against Coventry, and see how well I, they. I would to... agree. I would agree. I would agree with that. We'll talk a bit more about the Coventry game in a moment. I mean, um, Neil, Kane Wilson, are Mark well along with Naismith, and uh, we can talk about him as well. Our marquee signing, but as people have said, he looks so. I know he got forward a few times. But he's just not match fit, or he doesn't look like he's up to the pace of championship football, does he? I there's an issue with League Two, isn't there? Really? I mean, mm. I remember I've got a few gas friends. Sorry to admit that it's almost like therapy, isn't it? Mm. And um, they talk about League Two last year and what an absolute rubbish standard of football it was. And I think. The jump from League Two into the Championship is vast, vast. Uh, Atkinson came up from League One. He took a season, albeit he was injured, injured and illness, but he took time to find his feet. That leap from League One. Sykes has made the jump, um, but still limited in in his production levels that we spoke about. Wilson, for me, all over the place defensively. I know that Pearson has done an interview where he said, basically, we've got three three wing-backs. You've got Tanner, who is the best defensively, but not particularly great going forward. You've got Wilson, who he says, you know, is an offensive wing-back, but can't really defend. And you've got Sykes, who is kind of a bit of both. And that's why Sykes is playing. He's a bit of both, really. Um, but Wilson, the games that I've seen him play, 
oh, he's all over the place defensively, Dave. Yeah. And and the problem yesterday was then when we went to a flat back four and he came on, he's playing at right back. Mm. And, you know, he got caught three or four times. And you can just tell in those moments, Pearson's looking at him thinking, mm, no, you're not ready. Can play you in the cup games. He'll play against Lincoln, I'm sure. But he's not championship ready uh, in any shape or form. And But, and but fitness, fitness is what it is. It's fitness. It's not ability. It's, you know, it's not necessarily fitness, because he looks like much. he looks like after fifteen minutes, like Cam Pring. When Cam Pring starts, yeah. Cam is puffing with twenty minutes to go, which for a twenty-four-year-old bloke. I, th- I, th- I think right? with the championship, it's as much about intensity. It's intensity and it's uh, physicality and it's the pace. So it's not necessarily down to fitness as such. It's the fact that it's such a massive leap up from mm. League Two into that into League One. And yeah, you can if you're Kane Wilson, you can go and play Wickham in a cup. Great. You have a great game. Fantastic. And you come on afterwards saying, Look at me, I scored a goal, I did that. Wickham in the is not QPR. That's what you're used to playing with against every week. That's what he's been used to, isn't it? Yeah, that yeah. type and, of team. And you know, League Two, fantastic that's a League Two, League Two get you know, in the League Team was he player of the season in League Two? I know yeah, he's in Wilson the team was, of the yeah. season. Yeah. yeah. He was. Player of the season. And you're just there thinking, Jesus, the guy needs, um, yeah, he needs time. He needs uh, a bit of exposure. But at the moment, you know, every game, if you were a manager, if you were a coach, every game that City are involved in is fairly tight, isn't it? You know, there's one goal in it, albeit sometimes that's rather fortunate on our part. But there's not much, you know, we're not winning games 3-0, we'll bring on Wilson, or, you know, we're so far ahead in game, we can afford to make substitutions, give people game time. Yeah. Every substitution at the moment is done realistically with a thought about either we're defending a very tight lead or, or, we, wanna... we, are, yeah. or we are up against it. And yeah. I've seen him twice at Ashton Gate now, defensively all over the place. And him alongside Viner. Um, on the right. Oh, it doesn't help Viner. I mean, it doesn't doesn't, help. You've got to feel sorry for Zach Viner. You have to feel sorry for Zach Viner because he's got, I say, a non-recognised defender alongside him for most of the game in Sykes. Then he gets Wilson. Then he's got Naismith, who's sort of, you know, seems to be beyond any criticism at the moment. Not reliable. Are we coming to Naismith? There's no leaders at the, there's there's no leaders at the back, is there? Well, can, my, I just, my, can I just make a make a couple of points? Yeah, go on. Yeah, go on. I was going to come to you. Go on. Wilson isn't match fit, and he's not going to get match fit because he didn't play in matches. He's not. He's not even playing regularly for the under twenty ones, which is something he could do. Yeah. So, in in it's the same way when closer comes back, when Callas comes back, if they come back, they're not match fit. George Sanders probably not match fit because he doesn't get games. You know, Masengo comes on. How many minutes has he had recently? Yeah. So he's. It's all part of this not utilizing the squad. And I'm not talking about oh, give Kane Wilson five games in, even if he's useless. I'm not saying that. But that's that's something that you've got to look at with your transfer policy. Now we will have to pay some a minor amount of compensation to Forest Green for him. Okay. But everything else is a free transfer. Mm. A player's out of contract, and that's that's where we are. Yeah. As, well, as, let, me, let me ask you this question, then, Ian. Right? Because QPR, 
QPR, I've got a rookie coach uh, who was interviewed on uh, Football Preview yesterday. I saw a bit of that. Yeah, he's quite a well-spoken lad and he's tutelage under um, Steve Gerrard. But Lisa's yeah. made a point on here and she said, fitness has improved this season, but yesterday we looked like we'd come back from a holiday with nothing done when off. Now, I said at the beginning of the broadcast, I said, we do not like having international breaks because we always come back from it crap. But QPR, they look fitter and more on it than we were. So what do you put that down to here? And they've got limited resources, right? They're right up there challenging. They, they, to coin a phrase, they haven't got a pot to piss in, as some people would say, right? But they looked a more compact, organised, determined side compared to us. And they'd had the break as well. They, they'd have... You know, they've shut down for two weeks. They look like they have been doing something. And as Lisa says, we look like we've been doing nothing at all. Well, there's a lot a lot to go into that. But, yeah, it, you say he's a rookie coach. He was a coach under Gerard, I think, at Glasgow Rangers, a Scottish Premier, and he was a coach in the Premier League. So that would be, if I was Steve Lansdowne, I was looking to replace Pearson, uh, that would be the type of guy I'd be looking for. Um, because it's it's everything they did was better than us did you see towards the end of the game how well they kept the ball yeah right and they weren't passing it backwards all the time no they were sort of taking it to the corner but not right to the corner we were, we just were, looked good yeah but we we just looked to shambles we did we just looked like somebody had said right throw three forwards on and see what happens and just boot it and when we're looking at players like zach viner to play the final ball We've got a real problem. And and that is a problem where somebody in midfield isn't saying, give me the ball, I'm going to make something happen. Yeah. And that's what we looked like yesterday. We looked like it. Now, another thing, I just want to pick, pick you up on this, Dave. You mentioned Burnley and Norwich being free hits, right? Um, Not my term, but I did say that, yes. Yeah, you did say that. So yeah. we've got, so is West Brom a free hit as well? Because they've got parachute money. Yeah. No, just, it's just a question because I think it goes towards our um, our mental application to games. Other teams are going and winning, like, or have beaten Norwich or have drawn with Burnley. Blackpool went up there, got a three-all draw. And I don't think that, that we seem to be, oh, well, yeah, come with Burnley, you know, and we're Bristol City, oh, you know. Uh, yeah. Let's, get, let's right. get away from that. Let's start. You know, people talk about being positive. That is being positive. Say, right, we're Bristol City. We're going to get stuck into you and we're going to beat you. We don't care if you're in the Premier League last season. You've sold all your best players. We're going to get there. We're going to smash it. Right? And we're going to do it with good football as well. Not, I'm not talking about smashing people and getting people sent off. But we're going to play good football against you. And, and that thing, I mean, we've, uh, we're 12th in that division in the clean sheets list. Okay, Dan Bentley is, is, has kept three clean sheets so yeah. far this season. So we're 12th in the clean sheets list, which ain't great. But if you look at, you think, well, why are Sheffield United top of the, top of the table? You think, well, they, yeah, they've got parachute payments and that's helped them pay wages and money. No problem with that. Although I don't think the, the owners up there are splashing massive amounts of cash. No. But they've scored as many goals as us. They've only conceded six. Yeah, right. We've that's conceded, the difference. We've been what we conceded eighteen, uh, nineteen. 
Yeah, it's 18, not sorry, 18. It's not good enough. So we know, it's not like it's a big secret what's wrong. Yeah. Right? We know what's wrong. And it was wrong all the last season as well when we conceded 1.67 per game. We're up at 1.64 per game now. So you can't concede two goals a game and win many games of football. No. It's a yeah, Neil, do you think it's a, a mental? Ian said it's this. Oh well, we're Bristol City, you know, and it's like that. Oh well, we got we we happy. We're good. We're happy to be in the middle of the championship and zero. As Ian said many times, you know, Pearson and the club as a whole have managed our expectations down. But why is it that a side cut like QPR come along and well, Taser said on here nothing to do with fitness. They were far better yesterday, and first half moved it quickly you know uh, that's the frustration is that there's a side that looks like it's going to bypass us and have a far more successful season than us so is it a mental thing for me yesterday looking at the back three this is a back three that as he makes the point we're conceding two goals two three goals and they are there week in week out aren't they Mm. really and i think it's a little bit of a confidence thing with them I think one of the biggest issues we have at the moment is a we haven't changed our way of playing because it's been successful to a point with the uh, offensively going forward but Naismith at the moment looks a bit short of confidence I know he gave that 20 men interview when he was talking about it and I know we we've spoken about Naismith you know it's um you know you win some you lose some with him but at the moment, he looks a little bit risk-averse about making some passes. Earlier on in the season, he would have been quick on the ball, boom, boom, firing out, firing out, firing it out. Some of them might have gone awry. Some of them might have been caught in possession. Some of them that. He's, he's thought to himself, right, I'll just dust myself down and go. We've got to t- 11 games in the season, and now he, uh, he's been exposed a little bit. Other teams know about him, know about his fe- you know, foibles. And obviously Pearson and Fleming have probably told him, you need to cut this out. And when he gets the ball at the moment, he's taking another two or three touches. If you watch him, he's taking another two or three touches on the ball, whereas he didn't do that before. He's taking two or three touches, and then he's looking to pass it to the Atkinson and Viner. The problem is, the amount of time he's taking on the ball means that Viner in particular... They're closed down straight away, aren't they? ...are getting closed down straight away. So either if you're going to go through Naismith... You, and you're going to play this way, then you've got to have a player there who is confident in his own ability and confident he's not going to make mistakes. Yeah. There was one yesterday where he had a simple pass to play, uh, second half to Joe Williams, and he underhit it. And they we just about got away with it, or else it would have yeah. been a three-on-two or a, a two-on-one against him. Yeah, And you could just tell the look on his face, oh, I've done it again. It's the same with... Same with Zach. You know, Zach is a League One player. I'm sorry, you know, I'm not bashing Zach by saying that, but he is. He's found himself through circumstances in the team. But his head goes down sometimes. When he makes a mistake or things aren't going well or we've just conceded, Zach's natural body language and his head goes down, oh, God, you know, and all the rest of it. It's the same with um, Naismith at the moment. Atkinson yesterday... It's a bit contagious, isn't it? Because Atkinson, yeah. first half, lost sight of the ball a few times and they were in a few times, weren't they? 
yeah. in and around him. And, and he was left like a statue pro- once in the second half. Uh, no, yeah, first half, yeah. it, it was Atkinson. Like first, first he knelt stop. down. He was down on his knee yeah. like it was against Hull in the away game last season. Like, just totally beaten, beaten for pace. So, I mean, our captain is our goalkeeper. And he he's not... You know, we haven't got a player now like Lewis Carey, you know, could roll the sleeves up and galvanise the, the team. I can remember under uh, Gary Johnson when that 07-08 season, we played Southampton at home, I think it was, in a game. And they we were in front and we held out to win. But we were under the cosh for like three quarters of the game. And Lewis was there marshalling the team, probably like Jeff Merrick used to do back in the day as well. All right, look, I think we've done the Coventry game enough to death. Uh, sorry, not the Coventry game, uh, the QPR game enough to death. Um, Covent- Coventry, um, was that their first win of the season yesterday, uh, Ian? Against Middlesbrough? Yes, it was. Their first win of the season. I mean, they've, you know, there's no easy games, but it's a must. It, it's a, we've got to get three points on Tuesday night, haven't we? Yeah, I, th- I think we have. And I think it would be a test for Pearson in terms of not having certain favourite players uh, available. Um, it, it's one thing that I, I, I'll, I'll make a prediction now that people can hold my feet to the fire on at the end of the season. I think this season, the team that goes down in three from bottom could be very well be close to the record number of points to get relegated. And that's 53, and that was Leicester under Ian Holloway that went down. And and I, I think that could happen this season because you look down at the bottom of the table and... You look at, look at the, the, the league and you've got the side in 22nd place. It's got 10 points. Yeah. And as I said, we've got 14. We're four off uh, sixth and we're, we're four off them. So it's, it's going to be a tight division. The teams that are down there, I mean, Coventry are bottom. Okay. They've got three I'm, games in hand on us, haven't they? Yeah, they've got three games in hand and they've got six points. Okay, so they they of the eight games they've played. I mean, you know, you've got to remember there's 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 twenty four points to play for there. They've picked up six, so they're not going well this season. So let's not start. Well, he's under pressure as well, Mark Robbins. I was reading somewhere. Yeah. So well, you're going to be if you're in the bottom three. You're under Huddersfield got rid of their manager. Seven teams in this division have got rid of their manager this season already, and and some of them haven't played ten games. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, but you know, we are where we are. Um, but I think it's a big test of Pearson because he's got to galvanise those players. He's got to say, right, well, we haven't got we haven't got Scotty, probably haven't got Joe Williams. You know, Joe Williams might make a place on the bench. So we've got to play Andy King, who's played next to no football this season. We've got to play Hanno Masengo, who we know is off. Um, it's gone in, somewhere in, else, yeah. In, in the summer, so... Um, and Ian, when you say about players lacking fitness because they're not playing football, right? Yeah. Andy King is that player. And at 30, whatever oh. it is, 34, I think he is. He's the older of uh, uh, James and, and himself. Yeah, let's say he's 33. Yeah, split the difference. Yeah. It, you know, getting up to match fitness, because that's what that's what Chris Martin looked like when he came on yesterday, that he looked like a bloke that had been, he'd put on a few pounds, he looked like a bloke that had been in the reserves, and he just wasn't on it. So you can't see Andy King. Andy King in a three-man midfield might 
just about get away with it. And you could bring in, you could play a three-man midfield of uh, King, Williams and Kaji and have a little bit of the energy of Kaji in there. But, um, you know, it's... Uh, no, he, he, as you say, he's got to rest some of his players and it's going to come down to him. Uh, Neil, um, Pearson is very single-minded in his approach and his methodology and the way he wants to play. And he won't say he plays a system or what have you. But Tuesday night is calling for potentially playing with a flat back four. As Ian has alluded to, you could play um, Sykes, Viner, uh Naismith and Atkinson as a four, couldn't you? Yeah, or oh, sorry, Sykes, Viner, Naismith and Pring as a four and push, sorry, start again. You could play as a four. Tanner, Viner, Atkinson, Pring. And then in the middle, you could push Naismith into the middle alongside Williams and King. Yeah. Williams, yeah. Williams won't start the game, Dave. We, we you don't reckon he will. Well, that's, that's, that's a piss poor place to be in when a 26-year-old bloke were having to treat him with kid gloves. I mean, there was a defender that used to play for Tottenham a few years ago now. I can't remember his name now. Neil will probably know it. Ledley uh, King. He never, who? Ledley King. King. Never yeah. used to train because he was always injured, but he was about 34, wasn't he? But anyway, I'm, I'm with you, Neil. I mean, yeah. must-win game Tuesday, yeah? And I mean, let's, let's put it has got concept. to show a bit of flexibility, but he isn't, is he? Let's... Let's put everything in context, Dave. We went seven unbeaten. We did. We're a better team than last year. Are we a better team than last year? Yes. I'm not moving away from that. We've had three performances where we've we've lost. One that we were good in, one that Burnley dominated us, and one that we were poor in. Mm. Let's put it in the context of the season. We we need to not have a knee-jerk response. Yeah. After that game at QPR, we're not going to make that many changes. There's changes that need to make. I think Semenyo needs to start. Um, obviously, we've got the issue in the middle. I think what would probably happen is, my gut feeling is, Sykes will come into the middle and Tanner will start at right wing back. Yeah. And then, because as Ian makes the point, it's match fitness and it's minutes on the pitch. And if you've got someone like Sykes who's been playing week in, week out in the team, is up to match fitness, match sharpness to a certain degree, and is a ready-made replacement in the team. You don't want to change too much. No. You can you can ball them out and say to them, let's let the opportunities there to actually do it, but we don't need to have a knee-jerk reaction where we make too many changes. We just need to get back to doing the things that we did well a month ago, so, really, so and then focus on that. Would yeah. you play We're, the same formation, Neil? I, I, I would play the same formation, yeah. And you because ult ultimately, Leon, it's, it's, it's easy to turn around and, and for us to play football manager-esque and say, let, let, it's time for changes and it's time for... I don't see it. What we've got is we've got an opportunity on Tuesday against a, a side that has been struggling at home in the same way that we had opportunities against Luton, Huddersfield and Cardiff, we mm. took those opportunities. So I would give the team an opportunity. There's got to be changes, obviously, because of the suspension. And probably I would play Semenyo from the start rather than Conway and have Conway on the bench as a better option than Martin potentially to come on. But I don't think we need to get away too much from the things that we do well. We know we don't defend well. 
We know we don't. But what do we do well? Normally, we attack well and we score goals. You know, we've scored goals in every game that we've played uh, this season. So let's not get away from the things that we do well and then hopefully get back and improve on the things we don't do so well. Okay. Well, yeah. There's two things that, that concern me a little bit uh, about team selection. Nigel Pearson's made 12 signings since he's been at the club. Eight um, defenders. Yeah, and only three of those players started in the first 11 yesterday. Now, that why that concerns me is because at the end of this season, we've got 15, 16 players out of contract, most of which will be leaving. And he needs to replace them. So, and hopefully, he'll have a bit more money than he's had. But looking at some of the signings we've made, uh, I'm not impressed. So I'll just, I'll just park that and leave that there. And on this post about don't make wholesale changes, uh, post Norwich, things were working, so why panic? Uh, and then minus the goals against, of course. Well, if you take away all the goals against, we'd be top of the league. So you have got to look at, when you're trying to improve something, you've got to say, right, what are we good at? Let's really focus on that. Fantastic. What aren't we good at? What don't we do? And we keep conceding too many goals. And we will go nowhere, 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 apart from downwards, um, if you've got, if you're conceding two goals a game, the thick end of two goals a game. So, that those things those things concern me. Should we beat Coventry? Yeah, we should. We should. And if we, and if we, we? Keep, should we yeah. keep the same formation? Well, it's arguable, isn't it? Whether you you change something to rectify what's wrong, or you keep going on the basis that well, we'll try and outscore them. We know they're yeah. going to get a goal against us because we always throw at least one in the net, possibly two. So we're going to need to score three goals. So yeah. let, let's go with that. All right, that the the, the thing we've got to bear in mind, Dave, and I, I do have to go scoot on, in a moment, but the yeah, thing we on. have to bear in mind is before QPR, we'd had three, two nils. We kept three clean sheets at home before the QPR game. Yeah. All right. So I just it's, away, it's, away, it's away from home that, you know, the that we've conceded the majority of our goals. It's, no, not, right. at, it's not at home. All right, just a quick one. I'll come to you first, Neil, then you can uh, you can exit. I mean, Jackie Jackanowski, six years old at the weekend, uh, revered club legend and everything, 43 appearances, seven goals. Why don't we attach the same level of reverence to Andy Cole, 41 appearances, 20 goals, went on to enjoy a stellar career, notably with Newcastle and Man United. After Jackie left us, he didn't play more than 40 games at, senior level and his best days were before with Legia, Warsaw and Celtic. So the question is, Neil, should Andy Colby up there amongst the city legends that get the praise that Jackie gets? I know I know why you've come to me on this, Dave, because we spoke about this beforehand. Yeah. Did I enjoy watching Jackie play? Absolutely. A couple of games, Portsmouth at home, that first game of the season, the 3-3, him and Cole and Guy Whittingham, obviously, for Portsmouth. Leicester away when I was there, the famous speech, you know, from a different planet and all that type of nonsense. But ultimately, he was a luxury player, wasn't he? He was a luxury yeah. player. And he probably paid well, I would say, uh, if I'm being generous, seven, eight games. Yeah. There the, the, the was really good performances. And when he was, when he was on fire, you could tell why he had 60-odd 
caps for Poland. Mm. And you could see that player. But he liked to drink, didn't he? Yes, he did. And, 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 is that part know, of the mystique and the mystery? And he's a bit is, of a I'm, lad. I'm sure you've got, you've got players like Robin Friday, haven't you? That, yeah, you know, yeah. Reading fans will go on about. And, and other players over the years that every club has got certain players where they go, oh, fantastic. Oh, half the time it's people that have never even seen him play. They've just probably seen YouTube videos of them. Well, a couple of YouTube videos. Yeah. All right, Neil, thank you. Thank you for your contribution today. I know you've got to shoot in. I'll ask you you the, uh, and hopefully you'll join us on Wednesday morning when we uh, review commentary. But uh, Ian, you know, if Jack is up there as a, a legend, Andy Cole should be as well, shouldn't he? Because he went on, you know, we launched his career, but 20 goals in 41 games kept us up and was prolific the season after. Yeah, well, it depends what you're calling a legend, Dave. A legend to me is somebody more like John Attio, uh, Lewis Carey, that have been in very successful teams. Um, mm. And you you could throw in, uh, you know, if, if, if uh, Jack is a legend, is Josh Brownell a legend? Um, because he's gone on to play in the Premier League. So, Mm. I mean, Andy Cole is one of those, you can say, yeah, he played for us, Andy Cole, when he was younger and he was a cracking player and he was a cracking striker. And then 55 goals in 70 appearances for Newcastle, 93 and 195 for Man United. I mean, you know, I don't think Josh Brownhill on that scale is anything like that. No, he's not. But, you know, he's... It depends. This word legend is, is trotted out a bit... You know, a, 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 a bit languidly, and it? it's, it's lazy use of language. But yeah, and I think you know, I could go. You go back to players, Sean Goater, Bob Taylor, players that we've all really enjoyed watching, and you went to games with a real smile on your face because you knew that those players would um, would entertain you, and they would score goals or they play a great pass. Brian Tinian, another one, and I look at the ones that have played a lot of games for the club. So Brian Tinian comes in that category. Yeah. Um, and and oh, that's what I'm saying. A lot of games for the club, the 400 club, legends purely because of that. And you quoted two other names there. You said Bob Taylor and Sean Goater. And both yeah. of those players featured with goal scoring that got the club promoted. Jackie was a mercurial player, mercurial player of no doubt. But his legend is founded on about seven good games out of 43, isn't it? Really? Because yeah, he was Jackie, in a side Jackie. that was struggling in the championship. Yeah, I mean, Jackie could do things that um, other players couldn't, and obviously he got four, didn't he get four goals for Celtic in a in a partisan Belgrade in a cup game before yeah, in a yeah, European was, cup game in front yeah. of about God knows how many people at Celtic Park, uh, and then Russell Osman told me that he wouldn't play him in a Bristol derby because he he wouldn't perform in an atmosphere. Um, and something else another manager said to me about Jack and Oski once. I said, how difficult, it was Dennis Smith. I said, how difficult is it to manage uh, Jack and Oski? He said, it's absolutely easy. He said, the easiest player at the club to manage. I said, really? He said, yeah, you just let him do whatever he wants. Um, so, and he'd have conversations with players. So I remember talking about, he was saying to Andy Llewellyn, right, you do what you do. You get in, get stuck in, win the ball, give it to him. Right, that's all yeah. I want you to do. I don't want you to, to, to do anything magical. Don't start trying to dribble past people because you ain't any good at it. Get the ball, smash somebody, get the ball, give it to Jackie. Yeah. And and, and he's he was that player. I mean, he, he you talk about you know forwards that track back and we're recording good and defensive, no chance. Not with him. Yeah. He, he I, like, I think I, I'm gonna say Ian, I'm gonna say I think 
just if you threw the Jackie of 30 years ago into our side today, and I know it's a much more fitter man's game, but if you put him in there in our side now, not a side that was managed by Russell Osman that was, you know, I mean, Russell's not rated at all as a manager, but uber defensive. But Jackie in that side that we've got now and you know what what he would be allowed to blossom even joining us as he did at the age of uh, 30 there's one story uh, about Jackie that is uh, uh, true uh, and and you, there's a there's a wine bar on the park street um it's oh, called the Ram now. It's one about Rob, Robbie Turner with his glasses. I've got to say the story about Robbie Turner for the youngsters that don't measure it but I think Robbie Turner had stopped playing for us by then I don't know whether he'd moved on but anyway Jackie liked to drink, as you know, but this place, the Ram, as it is now, used to do breakfast. And Robbie Turner was in there on a Sunday morning having some of the, probably a coffee and reading his newspaper. And Jackie went up to him and flicked the newspaper, as you do when somebody's reading behind it. This is on a Sunday morning. Flicked the newspaper. Turner tells him to go away. Came back a few minutes later. Flicked it again at the top. Obviously, it was a broadsheet, although I couldn't imagine Robbie Turner reading the Sunday Times. Uh, flicked it again, and apparently Robbie Turner closed his paper, folded it neatly in half and in half again, and just lamped Jackie. And that was it. That's the same story that you've heard, Ian, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the one I heard was he, he, Robbie Turner, was wearing glasses, and Jackie got hold of them and broke them, or did, or did bent them, or did something like that. Or might have taken them off, flicking the paper, and then took his glasses off. Yeah. I mean, it's a variation on that theme. Ian, look, I think we're done this morning. It's been great having a chat. Uh, no sound problems, which is absolutely unbelievable. Good to have Neil's contribution. You'll be joining me on Wednesday morning, I guess, Ian, when we record it live in the wake of the uh, commentary game. So thank you for that. And uh, enjoy the next couple of days. Thanks to all the listeners. If you keep listening or keep watching to the Forever Bristol City podcast, I will be, may even do it later today. The interview I did with uh, Dave Rennie, uh, the the player, not the not the uh, fitness coach or whatever he's called down at Ashton Gate. But uh, thanks for listening, all of you that are there. And uh, this week, we'll see us go through unreservedly within the next seven days, 100,000 downloads. So that's a little bit of a milestone for us. So uh, thanks for everybody who's uh, been listening and uh, have a great rest of day and a couple of days before the Coventry game. All the best, Ian, and everybody else. And thanks for being here. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Dave. Really, yeah. I ain't got a thing. There's a time I always feel happy, as happy as a king. When the red, red robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he stops throbbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the river robins out, ba-ba-ba-ba-na. Red Robin comes bob, bob, bobbing along, along. There'll be no more sobbing when he starts robbing his old sweet song. Oh, wake up, wake up, you sleepyhead. Get up, get up, get out of bed. Cheer up, 
Cheer up, the sun is red. Live, love, laugh and be happy. What if I've been blue? Now I'm walking through fields of flowers. Rain may glisten, but still I listen for hours and hours. I'm just a kid again, doing what I did again, singing a song. When the red, red robin starts bobbing along.